0: Welcome to Creatively Christian, a podcast by Theophany Media, where we inspire, inform, educate, and empower creative Christians of all types. I'm one of your hosts, Brandon Hollingsworth. Kat Caldwell is a fiction writer and creative coach. She talks with Lynn about the power of our stories.
1: Before we get into the episode today, I just wanted to tell you about a special event that's coming up. If you're watching or listening to this before June 14th, 2021, then you still have time to sign up for our free summit, Email Marketing for Christian Fiction Authors. The summit features 12 expert authors and writers from a variety of experiences, all offering you their best tips on growing and using an email list. Our guest today, Kat Caldwell, is actually one of the speakers. You can go to Theophanymedia.com slash summit to get more information. And if it's past that date, that's okay. Go to that link anyway to see our latest events. Okay, now back to the interview.
2: Hi, this is Lynn Baber, and welcome to Creatively Christian Podcast. And I am thrilled today to welcome, as my guest, Kat Caldwell. She believes that every person on earth has a story to tell. She's a fiction writer, a creative coach, and podcaster. In between coaching clients, interviewing creatives for the Pencils and Lipstick podcast, and writing her next novel, you can find Kat traveling the world, reading a good book, or volunteering at her local church with a cup of cold brew close by cat thank you so much for being here thank you for having me and so i'm just going to ask how important is it to have that cup of cold brew close by unfortunately very important (laughs) yes i
3: probably drink a little bit too much coffee um i'm starting to get dealt with that by the holy spirit we'll see we'll see who wins the battle i'm pretty sure he will (laughs)
2: Well, depending on how long it takes. Yeah, I think you're probably right. <laughs> so, all right. You and I just chatted very briefly before we started recording today. And, you know, I write nonfiction and you write fiction. You you said that this kind of like came to you early and you're really invested in people's stories. Mm-hmm. You know, tell us how that happened. Um, I'm not sure how it
3: happened. I, I used to rewrite books when I was a kid before I knew the word fan fiction, I would rewrite the ending, or I would sort of take the characters in a different direction. I can distinctly remember, I must have been seven or eight, because we were in the farmhouse, you know, sitting in my room and rewriting the end of this book. (laughs) I just didn't like it. It didn't satisfy me. Um, I was a voracious reader. We lived on a farm. I had asthma, so half the year I couldn't be outside. (laughs) You know, they were bailing hay or doing something. Um, and I really enjoyed writing through middle school, through high school, but I never thought that that was a real job. I was told it wasn't a real job. I didn't want to be a journalist. So there's that. Um, but I guess looking back, I've always been interested in people's stories. I'm very interested in cultures and languages. I've traveled a lot. I can sit at a bar in Northern Ireland, listening to the old men tell all of their stories And I say bar because it's completely different cultural aspect over there than in America. Um, I married my Spanish husband and I love sitting and hearing all of the stories (laughs) around the village as they talk about his dad or, you know, him running around as a kid. It just I think I've always been a little obsessed with gathering memories, um, gathering moments in time. Um, I love pictures, just capturing those moments. And that's probably how it's gone into writing
2: books. So you, you had an experience as, as you're, as you're saying that cat about how you've traveled around and you've gathered stories mm-hmm. around the world, you know, I'm going to ask you about common themes and and what you find when you hear stories in one place among one group and then stories in another and what you've learned is is different about them or what is the same but it just strikes me that you know if someone's an amuse, a musician and they would travel the world and if they would hang out with musicians or people who listen to music around the world you know I'm just wondering what their experience would be and if you're listening to this and you're kind of wondering too Let's ask Kat about that.
3: Yeah, I, I wish that I had understood writing other people's stories when I was younger. I went to Ireland when I was 19, turning 20. So I would listen to them and I didn't really connect the idea of sitting and writing their story. Um, so there's always that little bit of regret going back. I think what I really see the connection of is we love telling stories. We really, really enjoy it, but we, a lot of us think that we don't have a story, that our story is not interesting. We prefer to tell the story of our spouse, our child, our neighbor. They have the story, not us. And I think that's really pervasive through all the cultures that I have um, made, lived in and made friends in. And it really, women especially, um, we don't tell our stories as much as men do. Um, so my my husband is a very social animal, and he has probably like thirty five really good friends back in Spain. And so I've I've had been together for a long time. I've had the opportunity to sit in just circles of his guy friends, and they will tell story after story after story, and. Women typically talk about the day or what's going on here. And then once we have kids, we go to kids and we don't talk our stories. So I've thought of that for a long time, for a couple of years now, and it's become my passion to tell, especially women, but men as well, because it's not, you know, they might tell each other in a, in a group, but you have a story to tell that's bigger than just your reunion with your guy friends as well, and women especially, you have a story to tell, and you might not feel like it. Like I think we feel like our life is mundane, but there's a whole bigger story, which obviously goes into my belief as well that God created us to tell our stories, to have a story, and to tell it for the benefit of others.
2: When when you um, you know that's kind of interesting. The Bible is just full of stories. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's the story of men and it's the story of women. And one of the things that I just a- among you know numberless things that I love about about the Bible is is how we learn that each person was just a real guy mm-hmm. or a real gal. And it doesn't matter, you know, what their place in in history They did dumb things, smart things, stupid things, foolish things, wrong things, amazing things. And we look at these stories and we think that they're so big compared to our own. But then when we look at them, we see that they're, they're just people. Do you think Kat, that when we look at the stories in the Bible, I'm not sure why I'm asking this. It just comes that women are able to see the stories in there better or men, because you're saying that men tell their stories more. So, I mean, who do you think recognizes those stories better?
3: I wonder about that. I, I know now I know quite a few women who are taking the women of the Bible. Um, I don't know about you, but every time I listen to a story about a woman, it did seem bigger. It seemed um, bigger than me Than And, you know, of, of course she had this mission. She had this, you know, thinking of Esther, she had to stop him from, you know, destroying her people or, but the older I get and the more that I actually read the old Testament and not just hear it being preached. That's a whole different thing as I learned into adulthood. Um, I like to sit and I think of Tamar, did she think she had a story even though, you know, she might have said, all I did was apologize for my reckless husband's, you know, foolish temper which saved her and her entire household. Like, you know, but I can imagine her saying like, no, I just did what was right. You know? And then I became queen (laughs) and glossing over the whole thing and basically, you know, raising the next King um, Solomon. So you think it's interesting to, to try to figure out why women do that. I don't know why. Um, We could probably go into societal reasons or the fall reasons, you know, so many different ones, but I do think that we abdicate to them, to the male stories
1: Hmm.
3: a bit, like they're, they're in the place of power. David's in the place of power, but the truth is Tamar kept him from doing something that probably would have kept him from being King. And then he never would have been in the Bible or it would have just stopped like Job, (laughs) like, where did he go? So you think if she hadn't been there, he never would have gotten to that place where we're just like, David, look at him. You know, there's a huge importance there. I guess we could blame a little bit, not preaching about that, not telling people about that. What is your, what is our place as women? Um, Gosh, if it wasn't for her, if it wasn't for um, Naomi, if it wasn't for Ruth, we never would have gotten to Jesus in the way that we did. Of course, God would have figured it out, but that's kind of how I love looking at the Old Testament, especially these days, um, imagining that moment and filling in the background, especially of the women.
2: You know, it's interesting when you when you get to those pivot points in a story. And as you just mentioned, what would have happened, but for the action of this woman. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, maybe that when women look at their own stories, as you've said, that, you know, you are so invested in people understanding their story or telling stories or reading stories that um, they think that they don't have a pivotal role in their own life. Mm -hmm. What, what might someone have done? Oh, for example, you know, if, if, if you have uh, a woman friend, say you're a guy, you're listening to this, and you have a woman friend, maybe she said something to you that gave you permission or gave you courage to go mm-hmm. try to do something creative because I'm just... Just guessing, but maybe women encourage creativity more than men encourage creativity. So when you said something a little bit ago, Cat, about when you were a kid and you're reading stories and you didn't like how the end came out, you rewrote them. And then what you just said, you know, from what we learn in the Bible and those women who played such a role, you know, five of them mentioned in the genealogy of Christ. Um, but for them, what mm-hmm. would have happened? Yeah. Yeah.
3: I mean, that's how I like looking back at my story or when I, when I work with people who want to write their story, whether it be you know, nonfiction or making it into fiction. What makes a story is looking back on what happened, but also what would have happened if that, if that road hadn't been taken. Because then you get into why it was so important that that road is the one that you took you know, and, and we even think about the redemption that Jesus gives us. If it's not for the road we took, would we have gotten to that place? I mean, that's part of my story. And a lot of people's story where you, I grew up in the church, but there was a pivotal moment in my adult life that I have to look back and say, had I not taken the detour, would I be as committed or um, as on fire or understand his love for me. Like I do now, of course, there's always different roads and not everyone takes the detour and they, they, they understand his love for them perfectly fine. And and that's good. It's also understanding the, you know, the straight roads that you took and realizing, thank goodness, (laughs) I didn't cause chaos in that moment, you know? Um, So on both sides, always looking back, I love seeing the stepping stones that brought us to where we are and being able to say, okay, maybe I made a mistake there, but it brought me here and, or maybe I did a good job there. How can I do a good job here as well? Um, I do think that we don't, because we no longer tell our stories as much, our all the ancient cultures sat around telling stories. That's how they taught their children. There was no school. It must've been way more fun. <laughs> Grandmothers would tell you <laughs> what did your dad do? And they, you know, the, the hero story. Um, and I believe God created all of these. It doesn't matter what, you know, culture we attribute them to now. He's the great creator. The hero story is about, Hey, this guy has a mission and he has obstacles. But look how he persevered. And that hero story is pervasive throughout all ancient cultures, and we use it today, all the time.
2: You know, Kat, you when when you just said that, that you know, we don't tell our stories, but throughout most of human history, everything was storytelling because mm-hmm. we didn't have the television, the radio, the lending library, Kindle, digital everything, social media. And today you know, I don't even know which generation it started, maybe in mine, uh, maybe the one before me, but probably in my generation, because that's when technology came in. Uh, Mm -hmm. I started life without TV and heavens, you know, cell phones came in way later. (laughs) Uh, But women now, and men as well, they're busy. They're so Mm -hmm. busy. And they're, They don't tell the stories. Kids, how many kids know their mothers? How many children know what it was like when their mother grew up? up? What were the things that, you know, that she took detours on, that she could, you know, speak into her children's lives? What is it that dad tried to do before he settled down that maybe one of his sons or daughters can identify with and say, oh, my goodness, it's not just me. And I have someone to talk to right here in my own house. It's dad. right? Um, so those directions and not telling stories, that's really, you know, something that keeps that's helping, I guess I would say helping to, to fracture the family unit, which is already, you know, on thin ice. But there's something that I found in your story on your website that I think kind of really follows this well. Yeah. And, and so I'm going to read it so the audience can hear it. And then I'm going to ask you the question. So you said, you wrote, I think I've always had two dreams going on in my head. I wanted to be a writer and I wanted to make a difference to people somehow. Both dreams always seemed like things people would scoff at. So I rarely admitted them to anyone. Babies placed writing on the shelf. Motherhood invaded my life with force. The only thing I could really write was a blog. There were many, many days that I felt like I had nothing to say. Mm -hmm. Oh, I think now that I just didn't have the right push. And what I want to ask you, Kat, on behalf of the audience, what's the right push? Um, I think being told
3: that I have a story and to, I think you also open up your own mind to that when you start asking the stories of the people around you. And I do a disclaimer there is I did not also realize that I was probably semi-severely depressed and God needed to take me home to get me some therapy. Um, and I, but I think a lot of women in the trenches of diapers it, and maybe depressed isn't the right word for all of us, but it's just a lot It's a lot. And if they're working full time as well, I mean, I was not working, we were in a foreign country, but I had no family around. So it was all me and my husband was working like 12 hour days. So it was a lot, but I, on every level, every woman, I don't care how much help you have. It's a lot. Um, And so you go to bed thinking, I, I've always kept a journal. I have nothing to write about. Except that the baby vomited and you know, <laughs> the toddler took out all the wipes. And um, there were days that I wrote, but I really think that once I kind of I got a little bit of therapy, but then I I really started taking stock of how I was looking at the world, how I was looking at God, which then reflected back on how I looked at myself. And the more I told myself I didn't have a story, the more I believed nobody had a story. And so when I flipped that and said, well, if they, I do believe at the core that they have a story. So why don't I believe I have a story? And he just a little bit with therapy and a little bit with God, just taking me, I think by the shoulders and saying, Hey, look at me, have a relationship with me and And let's have a journey on a a little bit bigger picture and opening your mind. And because I was so desperate to be who I was, I knew I was a writer. How do I get there? I, I just, I felt so stuck. Like there was this wall that couldn't, I couldn't get through. And so I did realize that by listening to other people's stories, and I'm grateful that even though we don't have our grandmothers and our aunts and our community, like ancient times telling stories, we do have podcasts and we do have people telling their story. And so that's what I started doing. I started listening to other people's stories and I started studying the ancient stories, which led me to studying the biblical stories. Um, Not on any grand scale, just by myself and starting to open my mind to being able to once again imagine all of all of the backstory, which I think opened my mind to seeing my story. So I think it's whatever your creativity is, it's starting to ask people and starting to become curious. That means letting your ego go. You don't know everything about your creativity. I have to say I had to do that as well. And, taking on curiosity.
2: And you say that you started believing you had a story, the more you were hearing other people's stories. And what you, what you just said, I think was, I think it really does apply to someone who, whether your passion, whether that thing that you knew that, you know, that you are, is an artist, or someone who writes or plays music or somehow interprets life mm-hmm. in another format, getting curious about that, being around other people. And I think it's really interesting, Kat, that you said you would you would look at other people. So I'm just thinking about maybe someone who does music. We think other people can do music and it's and it's valid for them. But then mm-hmm. when I do music, you know, it's not valid for me. So what would you say to those people?
3: Gosh, I, I think that the problem that we have in my generation, I mean, I'm turning 40 this year. So the generation I grew up in is I at least thought that I had to do everything uniquely and yet I don't really think looking around, there's a whole lot that's new under the sun really. And so you feel stuck in this place of like, oh, well, that person's music is so much better than mine because you hear the uniqueness. But I think you hear the uniqueness because that person has decided, I'm going to play the music that comes out of me. And so it, I think to bring down that wall, you have to be a okay with the beginning level because we all have a beginning level, even though you're created for music or art, um, writing, you still have a beginning years (laughs) where you might not be a genius at it. You might have works, you know, genius throughout it, but you're still learning. Um, That's what I would say, especially, because I didn't hear those words. And I thought really that I had to be unique and genius at the same time by 22. And if I wasn't, I wasn't doing it. right. (laughs) Um, But I think that you hear that music from somebody else because you feel this pressure to be so different. But I think if you ask them, how'd you do that? How'd you do that chord? Can I try it that way? And you just allow yourself to be taught by that person. Eventually you will find what's your kind of music and you just keep at it. Um, I don't, I can't tell you how many pages, whether digital or actual of writing that we'll never see the light of day. <laughs> you know, I've started something new where I do uh, first draft flash fiction and I put it up on my blog and tell everyone, this is the first draft. I set a timer. I write, this is how it comes out first draft. And it's not perfect at all. Still, you know, I'm years into this. That's okay. God doesn't expect you to have a perfect. We don't expect you to have a perfect. You just put it out, you revise, you make it better. You be patient with yourself and the peace, whatever it is. And you see where it can take you. And then, you know, you also ask God, could you please help me with this? Because I don't know what I'm doing (laughs) when you get stuck. I mean, the greatest thing about Christian creatives is that we have the creative being on our side. I know that we haven't always been taught that. I, I especially have not. But if you sit back and think, he created all of this. He has several different palettes that he has been crazy with. You know, you have the jungle, the Sierras, you have the cultures that we have, the languages we have, the different peoples that we have. And he looked at it and he said it was all good, And you think, okay, he's on my side, so I can do this. Um, And I think too, especially if you're a Christian, sometimes just taking it to him and saying, I just want to write you a song and I want it to be good enough for you. There are sweet moments that I sit with Jesus. like, I just want to write this story for you. (laughs) You Um, An Audience with the King came out of that, my second book. I was reading revelations and i couldn't get over the description of the throne room and being enthralled with what would it look like to be in this throne room i mean it sounds incredible and i think i wrote that book in about 12 weeks that's the only book i've ever written that quickly you know other people can write much quicker than that but you know realizing that he gave you a gift He expects you to work at it, but he also, it's okay if you go ask him for help, for inspiration, for a shoulder to cry on, (laughs) any of those things.
2: So, so you've got inspiration. We're reading Revelation for that book. How do you usually connect fiction with your faith walk?
3: yeah. That is something that I constantly talk to God about. He's in every single book of mine. Um, Stepping across the desert is a lot about coming to realize what we talked about before, that every place in your past, even the worst moments bring you exactly to where you're supposed to be. Like this, it doesn't matter what you did or what was done to you. You are exactly where you're supposed to be right now because God knew you were going to be here. And we all have that kind of past where you think, oh, I could have done that better. Um, so stepping across the desert is about that. <clears throat> uh, but it's written in a way that anyone could read it. I have several fans who read my books, and I know that they're not Christian, and they love them. Because it's subtle. There's just one scene where she says, I thank God for that. And then she has to explain why. Um, So I'm always looking for a way to connect people to thinking about their life, their story, even though I'm writing fiction and being able to look back out into the world and maybe see something greater than what they saw before. And then I really believe that for me, to make those connections back to God, that's not my job. So I plant the seed and then there's somebody else. So I used to think that I had to be all the things, the seed planter and the waterer and you know, <laughs> and all
2: these things. And I don't, I don't think anybody gets that assignment. Yes. Thank goodness. It'd be a lot of work. As a matter of fact, it's not even scriptural.
3: Right, right. I, but for some reason we we tend to think we got to do it all,
2: don't we? You know, it, it is there's there's a couple of different things I want to hit on before we have before we have to end because we're get, we're getting close to our time here. But one of the things you said, Kat, that I just think is so important is you what I heard you say is you put out your flash fiction regularly and you put it out for people to see. You're brave about it, you're open about it, and you're letting people into your process, even when it isn't perfect. So for no matter what it is that your creativity is, if you draw, if you sing, you know, just whatever it is, you can put a picture of something you do out there. Um, Finger paint, you can put it up there and let people and see what people tell you about it. And it's just really being open. And Mm -hmm. I think, I think one of the reasons, you know, that even though your work is not overtly, you know, here's the scripture citation that supports this Here, you know, Right. <laughs> is that I think people, no matter what they think they believe, they recognize truth. Right. And the other thing is when, and it, I think this was just a really powerful observation that you made. And I just want to kind of go back to that and say, this was really powerful that we think We have to be unique. We have to have our spin. We have to be able to claim our space in the world that no one else can. And isn't that arrogant? And I say it that way because, oh, am I so guilty? Oh, I am so guilty. But the freedom comes when you realize, as you also said, Kat, that God is the master of unique. And, Mm -hmm. And you wouldn't be here except that he has something special for you to do that helps bring the kingdom into the world. And, and I'm here because of the same reason. And every single person listening to this, God had, just like you know Esther that Kat talked to about a little bit ago, for such a time as this,
1: right.
2: you are not in this place. You're not where you are in the time you are, in the place you are, with the people you are by accident. This this is not, you know, um, evolution in in the sense that it's just random time and chance. It's not. God has a plan and you have a specific role in it. So when you you work on becoming better at what it is that God has for you to do, the unique doesn't, it doesn't stand on your shoulders. That's his thing. True. It's just, where is your, your, if your belief is in you, boy, you're, I'm sorry, you're already, you know. Way behind there, and good luck trying to catch up because you're never going to do it. But when you know that God puts you here and gave you the abilities he did for his purpose, mm-hmm. then you work in his power and his potential and and just you know, I'm just telling you, follow what Kat said to do, put it out there, learn what your story is, and find other stories. And oh my goodness, i I just really appreciate so much of the things that you've said today, Cat. So as we kind of like you know wind up here, what, what would you leave as far as this push? When did you, what did you feel? When was it that you realized that there was a direction you were supposed to go and you were willing to go?
3: Um, Well, I know if we believe the Bible, we know that we were created by him, that he knows, you know, he knew of us when we were in our mother's womb, he knit us together. I don't, Know why God would spend that much time on each on billions and billions of people if He didn't have a specific plan for us. I know sometimes it seems like we're small, you know, we're like there's almost 8 billion people, but like we were talking about before, every person has a strategic place in the plan that He has to bring Jesus back. Like that seems that's pretty incredible. You know, you have this. This place to be and so I think if we can meditate on that and boy I don't do it correctly every day for sure but if we can meditate on that especially in the arts like we've said you're here for a reason you have a gift for a reason the arts have always been inundated with mental unwellness and it might be because they're obsessed with being unique and they don't understand that they already are you know Maybe that's part of it. And if you can be that person who's doing your art, doing the work, pursuing God, and it it sounds easy and it's not easy at all, but if you're pursuing God and you're that person who can show the world that the arts can be beautiful and joyful at the same time, you know, of course they're going to ask questions. So whether you're in art school or you're already out in the world, or you're just going to take the the plunge, because it takes a lot of courage to say, I'm going to be an artist <laughs> and do it. You know, even if you can't do it full time yet, you have a story already. Why are you doing it? Why, where do you think you got that gifting? I think I got it from God. I mean, that's that's quite the start-off point right there to start that, that beautiful conversation. So I think if you just sit back and reflect on what the truth is, and the truth is what we've already said, God chose you for this time with that talent, that is enough to just step out and be, all right, let's do it. What other choice do we
2: have to be somebody we're not? I don't I, want to do that. <laughs> that doesn't usually work. So, no. <laughs> so I, I just think that's, that's just, it's encouraging to just to know that whatever God's plan is for you, he equips you to do it but we have to show up every day you know right. so many times in the bible god just says you know to abraham to moses to, to others says walk with me mm-hmm. that's it you know when it comes down to everything it's like if we're walking with the lord every day doing what he has for us to do in the day then we're gold he's happy we're blessed he's glorified and Cat Caldwell, thank you so much for being with us today. And I am just, I'm just, I just love what you shared. It's inspiring. It's real. And whatever your story is, even if you don't know what it is, Cat will tell you. You have one. Go listen to other stories. And Cat, if they want to find out more about how to know about their story, where can they find you, and how might you be able to help them with that? Um, They can find me at
3: catcaldwell.com. I created an interactive journal for people who don't know how to start writing their story. Um, I created it in a way for them to realize from the small to the big, there's a story in it. It's easy to do. There's prompts, there's fun little quizzes. And I made it with the hope that it will kind of open your mind to realize I have I have a story and maybe to ask your grandmother, maybe to be reminded your grandmother, your mother, your aunts, your daughters, you know, and men, I keep going back to women, but everybody, you know, let's talk about our stories. What was your favorite recipe as a kid? You start from there and a conversation will go. You never know what you'll find out. So they can find everything out about me at catcaldwell.com and even those first drafts. Flash fictions,
2: <laughs> which, which I am probably going to head over there and look at those. Cause I, you know, <laughs> fiction to me is, is, is as foreign as writing music or singing. Cause I have, like, yeah. that, and their first
3: draft. So there's some pretty funny typos there that people. Oh find. yeah.
2: Well, I think everybody should have, you know, the, the uh, outtake reel and be yes. able to show, be able to show their goofs up because I don't care who you are, how far you've come we all started, we all started in the same place. So I encourage you, there will be show notes after this podcast. So if you didn't catch that, there are more easy to click and find Kat. Kat, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And audience, thank you for being here today on Creatively Christian, and we hope you'll listen again soon.
0: we hope you enjoyed this episode if you'd like to learn more about the links and the resources that were mentioned in today's episode head over to our website at theophanymedia.com forward slash cat creatively christian is a product of theophany media you can find out more at theophanymedia.com this show is hosted by Brandon Hollingsworth, Andrea Sandifer Bill Brooks and Lynn Baber our logo is by Bill Brooks our music is by Bill Brooks and Andrea Sandifer. And remember, if you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to rate, review, and share wherever you listen to podcasts. Have a blessed day and keep on creating for our Lord.